0: unconscious sex to me is when it's full of all of those suitcases in the room. In one of the suitcases, it's like, I've never dealt with my body image issues. In one of the suitcases, it's like, I don't think I'm worthy of love. If we haven't unpacked our suitcases in some way, shape or form, then we're unconscious. So that's that type of sex, right? The other one is when you're awake. And even though you're not perfect in your body, even though your heart is still a bit broken, you bring it all and you go, hey, this is me, but I'm here and I'm awake.
1: Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about giving you a pause to nurture and nourish your mind, body, and soul. Each week I speak to world experts, authors, scientists and inspirational leaders to share their wisdom for us to learn new perspectives, challenge old thinking, optimize our life and together know we can let go of perfect and still embrace our hopes, wishes and dreams. Join me on the journey and a special thank you to Mindstream for providing music that helps you sleep, relax move or focus you can find their music on any music platforms just search mindstream on to today's show this week i'm speaking to a fascinating guest alexandra roxo a transformational teacher coach and speaker she is the author of the book fuck like a goddess heal yourself reclaim your voice stand in your power. This book obviously stood out to me, right? I mean, with a title like that, it didn't take me long to dive into the pages. But what I discovered, and you will too, we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. This book explores far more than what you'd expect. Alexandra has traveled the world, immersing herself in many healing modalities. And in this show, we dive into all of this challenge the language we use and what language insinuates, and lots more. I hope you enjoy. What is a quote you return to often?
0: Well, a quote that I've kept in my heart since I was about 21, I used to have it at the bottom of my first Gmail account, <laughs> and, um, and it is by Anais Nin, and it goes, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom.
1: Oh, so good. Thank you. And um, mm-hmm. What's been a life lesson you've been reminded of lately?
0: There's something about the quiet feminine wisdom that doesn't stand on like a soapbox like and go, me, 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 me you know, but like a grandmother who opens hearts and opens minds in the most gentle way with stories and food and creating warmth in the home and some of these kind of principles that we really need, in my opinion, in order to create reverence for bodies, for each other, for the earth. And that's the kind of lesson that I've continued to come back to is like, being? Who am I being? You know, what is my being transmitting in a room? Is my being transmitting thinking and anxiety and fear? Is my being transmitting grace and peace and nourishment? You know, like, do people leave my presence feeling nourished? Like they just had a bowl of grandmother's soup.
1: Absolutely. That is a wonderful metaphor. How do you define happiness?
0: I think happiness is an acceptance of the internal weather always shifting. And happiness is like maybe like an old man who's like sitting on the boat of the internal seas and he's like, you know, smoking a pipe or playing a guitar and just like riding the waves, you know. He knows that it's going to rain some days and he knows that some days it's going to be super clear and sunny and just like peaceful sea and regardless like he's good you know he's got his guitar maybe his little dog his pipe you know his little journal or whatever and he just writes being a skilled sailor yeah brilliant again
1: great metaphor for happiness so you are a fantastic writer and you certainly know how to name a book as soon as i read the title i was like oh wow i mean who doesn't want to fuck like a goddess um, but as you uncover in the book you realize these words can can be highly triggering for some readers and you address that um and i thought it was interesting on page 21 you say whoever taught us that making love or fucking was solely about physical intercourse missed the point. And with this in mind, what does fuck like a goddess actually mean and why did you choose to go with such a title like this?
0: Well, I I go into the etymology of the word fuck at the beginning of the book and fuck came from a Swedish word and I think Swedish and Dutch. And it's this notion of two things coming together to make a third thing. I love the idea of putting even in the title like fuck, which has its cultural connotation of um, just like sex. And then it also is a profane word, what we would consider to be profane in a way, but that's only because we've given it that power, right? It didn't actually start as that kind of a word anyway. And then the word goddess I chose because it, refers to anything that is not the male God in a way. Like that's how I define the word goddess in the book too. I'm like this substitute for anything that is not the sort of dominant over culture perception of God. So to put the sacred and the profane together in a title is important to me because it asks us to ask what is sacred and what is profane, right? Like, And why is the notion of fuck profane? When from the dawn of time, humans physically having sex or intercourse has been a, you know, an essential part of why we're all here. So the thing is, is that there's a lot of nuance in the title that most people are not going to understand because most people are coming to life with just the surfaced thing, right? I look at you and I'm like, she's a pretty blonde girl. She's got blue eyes. She probably has two nice parents and she probably, <laughs> you know, played tennis and like whatever stories I start to make up, right? About you based on what I see on the surface. So that's what people do are, you know, it's literally judging a book by its cover. So it's like, fuck like a goddess. It must be about best orgasms and da, 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 So I'm asking you to already transform in just the reading of the title, just like me looking at you and going, you know what? I'm not going to judge her. I'm not going to look at her and go, oh, she's just a pretty blonde girl who probably had an easy life. Like I'm actually not going to judge the book by the cover and I'm going to look at you and go, I have no fucking clue what your life has been. Mm -hmm. And so that is a big leap essentially as as a catalyst as an artist i'm asking people in a way cuz i'm pushing them to an edge by even picking up the book and you know some people would be like that's too risky why don't you play it safer but that's just not me so totally. I was reading this book on public
1: transport on the tube in England, our version of the subway, and I really did think it was hilarious, the looks Mm. (laughs) I was getting. Um, But to your point, it is, you are kind of, I suppose, you're stepping into your own art and being a part of this kind of um, experiment almost um, in anyone who's reading this book uh, in public. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your work, I feel kind of is something that actually we can start to kind of get on board with um, because you're really redefining this relationship we have with sex what do you think the healthy route is forward and you do obviously outline this in in your book in many ways but what are some of the exercises and in and in the circles I mean you've healed thousands of women but in the circles that you've that you've hosted like where do you feel where do you think feel we're going and how can we all contribute to this kind of like a healthier awakening of our relationship with sex?
0: Well, the first thing that I feel is important for people to do is to acknowledge their own sexual stories. So that might be really beautiful, fun, like, oh my God, the first time I masturbated, I was in the bathtub and it was just like this magical experience. I was like, oh my God. Or it might be really sad, you know. Um, actually having a healing experience where you share your story in a safe place, but with other women or men, if you're a man, not together, if it's around this topic, because it's likely very triggering for people. So in my opinion, it's great. If you're just opening up to sharing some of your sexual history or sexual adventure or trauma, but like to share it in a safe setting with people that are, you know, with women, with other women, for instance, um, that being witnessed is really incredible. You know, I've, I've experienced women from many different cultures around the world coming into a room and sharing their story. And just in sharing the story, it's like their little cells take a breath and they go, oh, my God, thank God I'm not carrying that on my own anymore. And there's something just intrinsically healing about that. So that, that to me is the first step, you know, and in my book, we get into doing like an inventory around the beliefs that you hold around your sexuality and the stories and both of those things being really important to feel and to see the beliefs of like, oh shit, I really do believe that sex should happen with the door closed and the lights off, you know, and we don't talk about it over breakfast. (laughs) And so, you know, just writing down what beliefs do I hold around sex? Where'd they come from? What are the most common ones
1: you find you hear?
0: Well, super common one is if, you know, a woman desires certain things sexually or has big sort of sexual desires, that is a slut. You know, I feel like that's like the most common one throughout time and that women are supposed to be good girls and, you know, not really want things sexually, not have those primal carnal cravings, you know. Obviously, that's between you or whoever and each of your partner, you know, what your actual desires and cravings are. But a lot of women go through their whole lives and never even say them out loud to a partner. You know, they feel so ashamed of them and so ashamed. And so they're essentially cutting off a part of their eros, their erotic nature, And then the unhealed wounds around sexual trauma, whether it's small trauma or big trauma. Small trauma is just, those are relative terms. Someone's small trauma is someone's big trauma, and someone's big trauma is someone's small trauma. So it's all relative. But chances are, most people have experienced some form of sexual trauma. If it's not someone verbally, or emotionally, or physically, there are many different ways that we can be, you know, quote unquote, abused. So actually looking at that and going, Oh my God, I I totally forgot that happened to me. I totally forgot that I, I, I blocked that sexual experience out where, you know, like I gave that blowjob and I didn't want to do it. And I said, I didn't want to do it. And I was kind of passed out drunk or whatever it was. Most people have some things in their own sexual history that have created shame or guilt. Um, so that's another piece too, is actually looking at that stuff and not feeling ashamed or scared to actually look at it. And, you know, it's something I say in my book. I'm like, if you're uncovering really deep, big wounds, I recommend the help of a professional, a coach or a therapist, just because some of some people have had really really deep traumatic things that can cause, you know, depression or some sort of a mental breakdown. And and so we are treading in, in sticky waters and in, in murky waters together when we open this wound, just like I said, because collectively we know that this space collectively is unwell. So when we open our own, we go, mm, I'm a part of this whole world. So maybe there's some of this murkiness in me. Am I safe enough to open it by myself? And if the answer is yeah, you know, I'm pretty aware of what's happened to me this life. You're good. If it's, you know what, I'm scared, then, you you know, you sit with a therapist or a coach or something and then you go into it. And and there's no shame in either one of those.
1: You offer a lot of kind of journaling practices. Why do you find journaling to be so effective in kind of, in healing old wounds, in readdressing relationships like the one you have, your sexuality
0: or sex? Well, the Western mind loves thinking and working things out and figuring things out, right? So most of us, and that's a generalization, but most of us, we come from the Western world. We're very logical and analytical and we're taught in school, we're taught logical things. We're not taught intuition in school. You know, we're taught art, maybe just a little, but we're taught reading, writing, arithmetic. So we have to just be, you know, honest with ourselves, like great, my mind likes to like work things out logically. And writing and journaling can actually bridge both sides of the brain, right and left brain. So you can go from writing a list, right? All the times where I have, let's say, hated on my body, right? Whatever the journaling is. And then you can leap into the more poetic side of your brain through writing really easily. You know? So I love writing. I'm a writer, it's like the, a great way to exercise the mind if you're like, we're not brought up with hands and body, kneading dough all day, we're brought up thinking. So it's a very important to consider our instrument, right? Our, our instrument that we've been conditioned into. So journaling works with the mind, and I, and I think we love that. What do you mean
1: by uh, being in touch with the divine feminine? And why do you think we're so
0: out of touch? When I, when I use the word divine, I think about qualities that are exalted, meaning they're like in their best self, right? Like the quality. So you can have peace, love, these like good, quote unquote, good qualities or virtues as human. And then there's like this layer, there's like this upper echelon, which is like when it gets to be like real deal, like a saint, right? Like a saint is embodying the divine in the earth and you're like, whoa, that's weird. What you're doing is weird, (laughs) right? So like say the hugging Saint Amma from India, what she's embodying, the fact that she hugs millions of people every day, she doesn't take a break, she doesn't rest barely, like that is not human. So when we talk about divine we're asking to bring the sort of not human qualities into human world. And we, first off, most of us have barely mastered the human qualities, right? (laughs) So like, we don't need to be worrying about hugging millions of people yet, right? But we can also hold in our heart, like, whoa, unconditional love, like, whoa, Mother Mary or Amma, like unconditional love, the type of love that even if somebody is so fucking hateful, that that love still exists. Now, we can't just pop up to that level of exalted reality of self, you know? Like, we have to first go through, like, just some regular old love, right? Some human love, like, oh, you know what? First, before I try to, like, master unconditional love and be an embodiment of unconditional love, first, I'm just going to, like, hate my sister less. <laughs> you <know>? Right, right. <laughs> but we can still aspire to be those divine qualities divine Mm. grace Mm. unconditional love and we have to ask ourselves what what are the feminine human qualities that are really fucking rad and then what's the next level it's like in super mario brothers game of reality (laughs) you don't just hop to the god realm right first you got to do kind of well in the human realm so it's like first you look at the women who are embodying amazing feminine qualities here And then you go, oh, what would make that divine, godlike, infinite, ethereal, right? And that's where we can see some of those more like saints or people who gave their lives and that something about that quality feels divine. And what what would you say are feminine qualities that we can- Let's talk about feminine qualities, Yeah. yeah. So there's grace, right? Like that even in hard times, there's grace. So you can see grace embodied in- Nature and also in characters and films, there is that grandmother energy that I talked about, and then you have like fierce, protective feminine energy. You have like a lioness who is gorgeous and graceful but will fuck you up if you come (laughs) next to her kids, right? (laughs) Yeah, and that protective energy is missing the part of us as women that goes oh, hell no, you do not destroy my oceans. Because if you destroy that ocean and I have a baby and my baby cannot swim in the ocean, or if you destroy that ocean, which has like some percentage of the oxygen on this planet, and my baby won't have fresh air to breathe, I'm going to fuck you up. We're missing that. If, if you intend to have children and I intend yeah. to have children, and we have friends that have children, Right we're not protecting those kids. Those kids might not have oceans. And we're on Instagram all day. Yeah. So that energy is missing, you know, that fierce protecting the children, protecting the earth, right? So that energy is needed. So that's another quality. And there are many, right? There's like The beauty and the erotic, and you can look to the pantheons of different goddesses and different traditions. You can feel the different energies that are existing, which is how humans made sense of these qualities and these virtues, whether it's the Indian pantheon or, you know, in Africa, like a West African, like the or like Orishas or in indigenous cultures. And there's so many different ways that we can categorize. These aspects, right?
1: Mm. I just want to talk about kind of erotic energy because it's an energy I think that we've become scared
0: of. What do you think makes erotic energy? So, the true erotic energy has nothing to do with sex, right? Or sexual anything. It does have to do with the senses and the sensual. So, if you take the word sensual, we're talking about senses, right? We're talking about experiencing life through the senses the experience of being a human embodied is erotic in its own right if we so choose to understand oh my god the water is licking all over my skin when i take a shower i have sensation but i'm in the shower thinking about my to-do list Mm -hmm. so i have cut off my erotic being and my sensual nature i'm walking through life Oh my God, the breeze is bringing the smell of these roses. The breeze is trying to like make love to me with the smell of roses, but I'm on my phone. Mm. Our erotic experience of reality, communing with us, can be completely overlooked if we're busy in our head.
1: But you're right. I mean, technology is kind of almost like chipping away at our moments where we could like be really nurturing our erotic energy. I was yeah. listening to you in an interview and I thought it was a kind of a great tip in really trying to help couples break out of kind of routine in the sense that you arrive home and you start listing off a to-do list or you start listing off all the things that have annoyed you that day and try to immediately move kind of your energy into something that kind of invites. intimacy. I would love for you to kind of talk about that because I thought it was really interesting.
0: This is where we all need to become less zombie robots. And, you know, remember that we're going to die any day. We don't know. If we're not enjoying it and making it gorgeous and magical, the joke is on us. You know, no one else is going to care. When you die, if you didn't make beauty and magic and joy and love then you're the only one who has to live with that. So sorry to shame. I'm not trying to shame people, but I'm just saying it's on you. So instead of being a zombie and coming home and looking at your phone and going, (laughs) claim the sacred, claim the sacred in your being. You will die one day. Make it cool now. So come home, have your ritual, put the phone down, turn it off, go take a shower, Put on some lovely music. How do you want to arrive to your beloved? It's just like that quality of being. Do you want to arrive to your beloved stuck in your head, complaining, moaning, groaning? Do you want to arrive to your beloved as an embodiment of grace, an embodiment of like full sensuality or passion and aliveness? Like it's up to you to decide. And if you're not deciding, then you're you're making an unconscious choice. And that's where reality is programming you to think about the phone, to think about what do we need to order, to think about like, you know, just talking about other people. These are all ways that we've subconsciously been programmed. It's like the record has to go, uh, you have to stop the record on the record player, like super 1992, you know, and go, oh, hell no, this is my life. And time's a ticking. I... Think that
1: is such great advice. And I was also reading, I think you did a recent interview about kind of quarantine and, and I suppose kind of being disconnected. Like, quarantine has almost disconnected us from our sexuality in some ways. And this book is a great guide to reconnecting. But for kind of women who are single um, and men who are single, I think sometimes like you can get a bit scared that you don't have someone else appreciating you in that way and then you can quickly stop appreciating yourself as being a mm-hmm. sexual being what are some rituals that you advise at like clients just to like keep being connected to that power you know if you're kind of by yourself
0: well we are relational beings so we should not feel ashamed or bad that we want someone else to look at us and go, "Mm, you looking good. Like there's nothing wrong with that. We're relational beings, but technology has uh, isolated us, put us apart. We live in apartments apart from each other. You know, like this is not supposed to be, I don't think how how we're, we're best served by this life. So don't feel bad that you're like bummed out that you're at home alone during this time. Like that's okay. Don't feel ashamed about that. And, you know, like, let's make the fucking best of it. So, what does that look like? It's like daily dancing, singing, self massage, cooking, you know, like watching movies that spark your imagination, reading books that spark your imagination. Don't forget, you have a fucking deep imagination. You have a beautiful imagination. You have the capacity to go anywhere. You got to get curious, though, and not and get unlazy you know, don't get bored, go, where, where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? What, what lights me up? What turns me on? Not just sexually, but like, is it poetry? Is it Brazilian culture? Is it West African? You know, is it learning about BDSM? Is it writing romantic poetry and, you know, reading Keats you know, find whatever the heck it is for you and go for it. And don't be asleep about it. Don't be lazy about it. You know, like everyone has that ability.
1: You write in the book, and I'd love to kind of hear uh, your thoughts on what is the difference between unconscious sex and, as you write, soul-shaking
0: AF sex. So unconscious sex to me is when it's of all of those suitcases in the room. It's like both people brought all the suitcases to the first meeting, right? And they're like, oh, hi. No, I didn't know. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no back. There's no suitcase here. And in one of the suitcases, it's like, I've never dealt with my body image issues. In one of the suitcases, it's like, I sort of can only have sex if I'm slightly inebriated. In one of the suitcases, it's like, you know, like, I don't think I'm worthy of love. Um, So if we haven't unpacked our suitcases in some way, shape or form, then we're unconscious. Those things are just waiting to pop out, right? Waiting. So and that's unconscious right and like someone else like a man you know you might be having sex with a man he's unconscious of the fact that he's enacting a porn scenario that he's seen but he's unconscious but because he's not conscious of the fact that he can only fuck you the way he saw in a porn because he's unconscious because he hasn't started to claim his own masculinity he doesn't know who he is as a man and what he desires as a man so he's just gonna go you know yeah, suck my dick or whatever, you know. So the behavior is the product of the unconscious pattern. If we're not conscious of it, we just keep doing it. And then at some point, hopefully, we wake up. So we all have these things about ourselves that we don't know, which is really scary. It's hilarious, also. It's like, ha ha ha, other people see this stuff in me, but I don't see it. But the gorgeousness is when a certain friend or relationship or spiritual teacher shows up in our life and helps us wake up to these things, which is not always pleasant, you know, to be like, oh shit, I'm sort of narcissistic sometimes, or I'm sort of self-involved, or I'm sort of um, self-deprecating, or I really don't think I'm good enough or whatever, someone wakes us up to those things. And then we get to unpack it and allow it to, to, to change and allow the behavior to change. So that's that type of sex, right? The mm-hmm. other one is when you're awake. And even though you're, you're not perfect in your body, even though you know you might not have the perfect career, and even though like your heart is still a bit broken, you bring it all and you go, hey, this is me. I'm fucked up. I'm weird. I've been traumatized, sometimes I hate myself, sometimes I think I'm fat and I still deserve love and I still wanna make love and I'm here and I'm fully present and I might cry and I might fart and I might, I might have to like go and, and take a breath and come back but that's okay, but I'm here and I'm awake. That's why you need trust because not everybody can hold you in that way and you don't, you don't wanna bring that to everybody. You don't want to bring your wide open heart and like your truth to every person. They need to earn that trust. And so I do think we've had a kind of backlash and like the, you know, we can go on Tinder and have sex with whoever we want. Yeah. What kind of sex? Is it like mm. junk food sex? Because you takes trust to open your heart and soul to another human. And you don't just do that usually in a one night stand. Wow really
1: powerful. And it speaks to your whole book, which is living like that, not only just when you're having sex, but actually your whole life, like being present and unpacking to be able to live life in all different avenues with a kind of like heart open. And I just love how you actually very much give a method to acknowledging the suitcases that you're carrying around with you and also a method to be actually able to unpack those suitcases Uh, because sometimes I think we can all acknowledge that we have suitcases, but we're not too sure how to actually... Actually start reorganizing them and actually say, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to bring that one. I don't need to bring that one. And potentially yeah. I could sprinkle sprinkling this one. Lastly, what does committing to a life of surrender look like?
0: So committing to a life of surrender is when you have a very adaptable and stretchy idea of who you are and what you want, but you allow for that to shift and change as you evolve. So you surrender to the moment instead of imposing your fixed ideas of who you are, where you're going and what you want on top of the moment. Because life is there, life shows up at the front door and life is like, I have a whole, you know, it's like Santa Claus of life. I have a whole bag of of gifts for you. And you're like, oh, you know what? But I, I already know what I want. And, you know, like, I don't want that. Because so I'm so you just turn away Santa Claus with the the gifts because you're like no 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 this is how it's going to work for my life and my business and you know this is how my my partner is going to look and you know no 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 so people then are not open to life coming and going oh my god but I have all these fucking gorgeous gifts for you (gasps) no 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 because I I don't want you to come through the front door I want you to come through the back door and so life is like. Jesus, we're representing her with some great things that she didn't even know. We're surprising her with magic, but she doesn't want it because it's not in her control. So sometimes people miss out on amazing love or amazing projects because They have a fixed and tight idea of how it should or shouldn't look. So surrendering to life, you throw out the motherfucking shoulds. And instead, you commit to how you feel in the moment. Does this feel good? Yeah. But it looks different than I thought, says your mind. But it feels right, says your heart. So this process, that's it. So many people are so stuck in the head and the shoulds that they just miss out on life. And that's a bummer.
1: So to finish, I would love for you to finish the sentence. Best piece of advice I've been given has been... Let go. First thing in the morning, I... Pee. Before I go to sleep, I... Pray. The book I recommend the most is...
0: Mm. Dear Lover by David Data.
1: The affirmation, I repeat, is
0: you're loved and you're safe. If you really knew me, you would know. I think that I'm a goofball. <laughs> like that if you really knew me, you would know that I'm just a complete goofball. <sighs>
1: That's so great. Well, how can we find you? And um, I know a lot of people want to kind of check out your work and, and are you doing your circles remotely? Um, mm-hmm. what's the best way to kind of find you? And if anyone has any questions about your book or your work, where can they ask them?
0: Yeah. So find me on Instagram at Alexandra Roxo, R-O-X-O. My book is available on Amazon um, and Barnes & Noble and Indie Bound, Bound, depending what country you're in. Um, All that's linked to my Instagram as well. And I have an online membership program called Radical Awakenings. We also have an Instagram. We're about to reopen for the 2021 program which is actually all about cultivating these divine qualities um, that we talked about today. So it's just funny that you brought that up because I've been thinking about it all the time. And I've been looking at women across time, history, artists, you know, uh, poets, like everybody who have embodied these qualities and brought them into the world and basically gone, you know what? Let me just bring this gorgeous thing into the world through my words, through my music, through my presence, whatever it is. So we're going to do, we're doing a program then for next year where we go through these feminine virtues and qualities and study uh, the women who have brought them in and practice them ourselves.
1: Perfect. Lots of love. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Thank you, darling. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, And ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time, sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. Hold up.